one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. 2024 Rugby Europe Championship. <laughs> Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, back in the rugby dungeon. Uh, not talking about the World Cup on this one, we did that in the podcast which is already in your feed, so uh, hit subscribe and you get them all and go and listen to that if you want some World Cup chat, but uh, on this one we're going to be talking about, um, well, more domestic of a domestic issue, you just heard me at the start saying, oh, Rugby Europe Championship fixtures, that's because... I was so inspired by Portugal, just to quickly dovetail to the Rugby World Cup, I'm like, right, we've got to sort, our, it, mate. We've got to sort our Tier 2 tour out. However, have you seen the, the group, like the, the top group for Rugby Europe, or one of the groups for Rugby Europe Championship? Georgia, Germany, the Netherlands and Spain. Where's Portugal? I know. Where is Portugal? That's, a divided, I mean, always... that, that's Group A and Group B, Belgium, Poland, Portugal, Romania. So, oh, wow. So there will, there will not be a... Iberian... Iberian game, unless it happens in the knockouts. Yeah, that's a bit rubbish, isn't oh, it? Well, anyway, more on that a bit later. Um, right, so... Yeah, so Tok H went down by four points to witness this weekend. I was dragged out of retirement. Much changed team. Um, I love playing witness. I absolutely love playing witness. And we did remarkably well. I couldn't believe that we did so well with such a changed team. But stuck at it. And second half, Tim... We were 20 Mate, that's two defeats in a row, though. That's, that's back-to-back defeats. It is back-to-back defeats. I and mean, we're not going to be as successful as we were last time. But I tell you what, there is a... It's a rebuilding job. There's oh. no toys about it. It's a rebuilding job. Uh, a young team with a journey, with a journey uh, in front of us. Do you know what? I'm so happy. I'm so happy about this. I was just looking at... I was just, oh, you got the Marlow result? I've got the... Um, I haven't got that Marlow result yet. I'm, oh, okay. I'm looking at your fixtures. Oh, fourth. The fourth of and, the... And I will be back in the UK... So the world the World Cup final finishes and then the big game is the following weekend when it's Didsbury Tock H against Broughton Park. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've, I'll have finished full stop by then. You'll have to be playing that game. <sighs> You'll have to play against Broughton Park. Yeah, I Ruff, guess it will do. I guess JB again. Didsbury Tock H be Broughton Park. You've waited all this time to play Broughton Park. You I know. Can't, you I know, have to, I you know, have to I know, do I know, it. I know, I know. You have to play in that game. Yeah. Oh God, I am hanging I might on do a, grimly. Well, I might do a some get me and Phil to come and do match reporting. From that game, yeah, stream it. it. Yeah, yeah, It'd be a tough game because they they've won three out of four in the new league. They beat um, Aspel this weekend. Aspel were, I mean, across the league, it looked like lots of people were missing players. Maybe it's a World Cup thing because a lot of people are at the World Cup. 
So, anyway, we did remarkably well, and the second half was pure scrums and lineouts, which is why we dragged ourselves back into the game, but ultimately not enough. And Aylesbury lost by two points to the league leaders, Amisham and, Amisham and Chilton yesterday. Really? 22-26. I'm just trying to find out how Marlow got on. My boys. Pro- probably lost. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one shortly. What been... a rubbish fan. What a <laughs> terrible fan. <laughs> um, uh, right. Um, so. Yeah, well, yeah, what's been going on? Okay, so some important bits and pieces. Did you hear me and Phil talking about the letter to the RFU? I did. Right. So the letter to the RFU went out, and um, Tom Aloub, who is the chairman of the RFU, I mean, the guy is so... Oh, no, no, hold on. Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to stop you, and we have to set the context for this. Jersey have gone bust. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to get to that. We, we are going to get to that, but I just want to headline Did we that talk right about now. that last week? No. Did we not? Let's no. just start there. Then, so we've got, we've got to start there, because that's really, really sad. And they are the champions of the championship. Uh, three premiership sides go bust last year. Um, Bill Sweeney and Tom Lube, as you say, have been saying a new game. What's it called? The well, it's a GPG. So GPG, game, game partnership, partner, performance. Something. Something. Anyway, a new deal for professional rugby which the much talked about premiership and premiership two and as you talked about with that letter before that some councillors have an issue with the fact the funding has gone up despite the number of teams going down and despite the financial mismanagement at the rfu the the money for premiership teams has gone up meanwhile just to set it into context the funding of championship clubs has gone from uh half a million pounds yep. per, per year to £150,000 per year in the last four years. Yes. Uh, so the championship clubs understandably feel a bit scorned. And bearing in mind the RFU have no responsibility to premiership clubs because it's a separate entity. Mm-hmm. They have responsibility and governance of championship clubs who fall under their remit. That is their competition. And they've slashed the funding. And they've been talking about this new deal, but nothing has been coming. And Bill Sweeney's been going, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But finally... The financial backing of Jersey, part of which was the council mm-hmm. and, and the local government there, have just said, look, we, we can't keep waiting. There's no certainty. We've got nothing beyond this season, so we are pulling the plug. Yeah. So here, do, you, do, you want a, do you want a typically controversial view on this, Tim? Well, there's two controversial views, okay? So one is, and I'll just touch on this briefly, that the Jersey, the fact that Jersey went under now was as much of a plan as anything else to put pressure on the RFU, which I find hard to believe. I don't think you sacrifice your staff, but the theory is that they go uh, under now and they can stomach the points loss and they can also reform and it's going to be Prem, t- prem 2 just, anyway. They should join, um, they should join the, the French system. Well, it might be easier for them. It might be easier for them. So that was the first thing, but we can discount count that for now. Here's the one which will really ruffle some feathers. Uh, Marlowe won, by the way. Yes. Great win God. against Grasshoppers. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Here's one which will really ruffle some feathers. Depending on how you slice and dice these numbers and the timeframes of when the announcement was made, the championship seems to be sacrificed at the altar for for women's rugby. So if you, there is a zero sum game element of this, isn't there? There absolutely is. There this is. isn't like there is only a finite amount of money. Finite amount of money, and like I say, half a million down to one hundred and fifty thousand is what the championship clubs that they've had their funding slashed and then slashed again over the last four years. Uh, and at the same time that their money has nosedived, the the funding of the women's game has gone up by probably not an not an incomparable amount. 
Well, let me give you the numbers. So RFU cut championship funding by three million in twenty one uh, in twenty slash twenty one, and then in the twenty twenty five facility improvement uh, found in the twenty twenty five facility improvement fund seven year uh, seven million over o- o- over four years, which basically o- like like overlaps. Um, there's two hundred twenty million, two hundred twenty million invested into the Premier Fifteens over ten years. I mean, this product isn't going to make what? What? Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Annual report, page sorry. page seventeen. Two hundred twenty million to be invested into Premier Fifteens over ten years. Two. Sorry. <laughs> two hundred and twenty million pounds. Yes, that's correct. Hey, don't worry, the women's game is thriving. So whatever else is happening, just remember that um, phrase: the women's game is thriving. No, you see, I've got no, I've got no problem. Thriving, I've got no problem promise. with um, funding to some level but hold on a minute so that's 22 million pounds per year well that's how it would read right i mean that's literally how it um, yeah if well like well, it, me, might, it might be on on a staggered thing and they're going to increase it but well 2022 annual report let's get this page oh 17. my goodness and it is there right for you now so uh, just just to put that in context that means every year the women's Premier 15s would be getting 10 times the amount of funding which championship clubs are getting. Yeah, well, I don't know how they've come to this this number, right? It can't possibly be no, right. because that'd it be, can't be right. But, yep, here we go. In June 2022, the board committed to a 10-year strategy to transform the league into the most competitive, progressive and sustainable... Why is it more sustainable than the Premiership? And just sustainable on what metric? Uh, but why... Well, but it's like we've spent 220 million quid. So, and then yeah, after 10 years, it's like, how, yeah. how are you going to bridge that 220 million gap for the following 10 years? <laughs> well, it's, it's a good question, Tim Cocker. It's a good question. New the, A new operating company will, will manage the league from season 23-24, where we're in now, with up to 220 million to be invested read spent um in the professional women's game over the next decade so yeah you're right i mean that's 22 million a year well and, and I, uh, that's 22 million a year and let me just again championship clubs get one hundred and fifty thousand pounds per year from the rfu funding now down from what was half a million mm. meaning that the, the total spend on championship budgets is 2.1 million in mm. total uh Versus what it was, which is 500 times by... Phil could do this so much quicker. Um, 7 million. So so five years ago, the Championship Club, the champ, the RFU were, were spending £7 million on funding Championship Clubs. Now they're spending £2.1 million And they're spending £22 I mean, million per year. Well, they, the, but, they, but they just can't be. I mean, they just can't be spending £22 million a year. Where's that data from? Where's that number from? The RFU report. The actual RFU report. It is page seventeen of the annual report, twenty twenty-two. Could maybe just a cup, a couple of million of the two hundred and twenty million go to the championship? It can't be true. It can't be real. That must be false. Unless there, unless it's two hundred twenty million over the course of a decade, and have accounted of. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, and they've um put their inflation calculation at 50% per year. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. Or are they assuming that the revenue is going to grow? So something astronomical? I guess the point I mean, being what, is that there is, there is absolutely a zero-sum game element to this. And you... 
so really harshly uh, no no and i'm going to just going to take the women out of the equation for this for just in this conversation the championship is massively important for the national team not national i, no, I think it is i wouldn't say national i think team. it is i wouldn't go that far i would say I think it's it just is. massively important for the overall structure of, of rugby no, but uh, hold on let, let, let me explain my point yeah so it's massively important for the overall structure of rugby well yeah look at look at the national team and how many players have championship rugby mm. on their CVs look a lot most and all and the other thing is at, at a time when premiership clubs are wanting to slash budgets pay players less have fewer players on their payroll where do these players go by the way well, we don't know that's, a, that's well, the thing isn't it it was the championship but that isn't viable now so let me just tell you about a player that I know right a real life professional player and could he have played I mean he would have been the sort of player I guess that if we had two professional leagues, or like France three, he probably would still be making a living. It's not a case, right, that these boys just go and play in France. They just retire. Yeah. Because there's a difference between the recreational player like myself who will just carry on regardless, what what have you. Well, they'll drop down down the leagues and just train twice a week, play and get a couple hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. But they're not professional rugby players. No. And as soon as you're out of that professional environment, if you're out of the professional game for, say, a couple of years, you're not getting back into it. You're not doing your front squats and your... You, you, you bench press and you're conditioning every day like you would as a pro. So it's unlikely you're going to be able to reach the levels that the pros require should you be needed to go back up the levels again. So, yeah, I was going to give that example of a player who's sort of gone... Yeah, he's coming to the end of his full-time career. I was just immediately on the right. Well, in that case, I'm going to go to Nat 2. Sorry, not to say Nat 1. Nat 2 doesn't exist now. Yeah. And, and that's just what they do. And they're no longer then suitable, really, for... Championship, and they're no longer suitable. Championship, they're no longer suitable for Premiership. So that's where the world. We will actually lose players. They won't just move clubs. We will lose players because they'll stop playing. So that's that. Uh, so I agree. It's I want to go say it directly translates to the national team, but it's kind of like a food chain. You know, if you remove the insects, then eventually the apex predator will get affected, and that's what they're doing. Quite that, and that's that's basically the context here i'm not saying there's a direct relationship mm. um but anyway a, a club despite the many warnings of simon halliday who was brought in to oversee and represent the championship clubs he's been warning and has written has shown the letters that he's written to the rfu several times to say the lack of clarity on this is causing significant issues for the financial backing of these clubs you're going to ha- run into problems unless you solve this yeah and and they and well Evidently, Bill Sweeney and Tom Elube have ignored that and another club has gone to the wall, which is... So, the point you make there, you can see that in financial markets. Financial markets love good news. They can deal with bad news. What they can't deal with is is uncertainty. So, if you put uncertainty into a market, you you lose value. That's exactly what's happened here. The RFU have not got a good enough grasp of any aspect of the sport and that does create uncertainty. And if if they just said, look, there's no more funding forever... You could say, yeah, that's terrible, but at least we can plan around it. Like, I mean, at least we know what we're dealing with here. We can set our budgets, we can uh, make stuff redundant. But if you're like, well, there might be a deal and there might not be, and Jersey are geared, geared up potentially for a oh, deal, and it doesn't come and it doesn't come. And, it doesn't and what come. the RFU are saying is that we've got a great new thing that's coming. Yeah, it's just, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's just next week, and then next week comes. No, no, just a couple more weeks. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, and this is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, but everyone knows it can't be amazing because we all know what the fi- what the finances are, so it can't be amazing. Uh, and I guess there should be a little bit more awareness. So, so to the RFU council meeting, who right? Okay, so 
So there was a letter that you and Phil have referenced on a previous uh, podcast. Yeah, so that letter basically says it's got three different parts of it. One is financial, yeah, which we read out in detail, and it sort of blows a hole in my theory, which is that professional rugby will be dead in five years because it mentions there's going to be nine years worth of losses. So it must go on for nine years rather than five years. So, you know, there is there is that. There is a governance issue and there is something else which sadly has escaped my mind. Right. Now, what do you think the RFU's response was, Tom Alub in particular, what do you think his response was to this letter? Well, as I understand it, when the night before the council met to have this clandestine conversation because again we're never allowed to hear or see or know what happens yeah if i was on if i was in on the council i'd be actually reciting exactly what happened unfortunately i'm not apparently it was the kind of financial henchman of bill sweeney Uh, she went around and sort of placated people um and just got everyone on side in kind of sort of house of cards fashion is what i understand and i also believe out of the 65 Members of the council, thirty-five of them, are not elected, and they're put on there. Well, by this the... is true. This is absolutely true. So there are some people who would just. So the people that get these jobs, which are just appointed, are mostly people to, to represent the ladies' game. Well, I'm sure they're very happy, um, or represent some minority community. You know, so there is a bit of that, and I think it's wrong. Actually, you know, you're just entitled to power and status that you never earned. But, you know, that, that, that's the thing. So they're effectively, like, you know, on the payroll, for want of a better word. Yeah. So they have all of the trappings of someone who's earned that position. They get all of and, the... Tw- and, seats, seats and, and they would have to be uh, voting down the person that gave them that position. Yes, and that's unlikely, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I can absolutely see that that's what, what would happen. I think, though, the more interesting part of this is what would have happened if the members of the council had got their way. Um, so, actually, just before I go on, go on to that... So, so, they had a, so they had a meeting to discuss this and then basically all went away and went, OK, yeah, the letter we wrote, fine, we're, we're happy now, yeah, overall. So, we're, or, or we're not unhappy enough that we want to have a vote. Yeah, so um, the quote from Tom Alub was basically... Hang on, let me just find... I'll quote the statement. The RFU execute... Executive regularly present the council with financial reporting and business planning information, uh, with the opportunity to raise questions and debates. But for very, but very few questions have been raised on the finances during my time as time as chair. Right, Tom and Lube then goes on to criticise the timing of the letter because it detracts from the World Cup. Now, I don't know about you, Tim, but I thought the chairman of a board was there to hold the executive to account. Not to run co- Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever for them, and certainly not to say, hang on a minute, this competition, which I do not organize, Tom Aloub does not organize the, um, the Rugby World Cup. I, that's not his responsibility. His responsibility is holding to account the executive. He's acting like he is part of the executive. Uh, and I think that's that's a pathetic stance to take, actually. You know, he's saying that, well, we have asked, that we have given him information in the past and have not asked questions now. So what, Tom? So what? They're asking them now. So you deserve to give them an answer. And as far as I can see, they've not, re- they've not really done that. And, you know, Tom Aloub's CV, when you read into it, is not actually that impressive anyway. I mean, he shouldn't be RFU chairman to start with. But, you know, we have this guy. He's been, a, he's been, been appointed, much like those council members, kind of on the payroll, as far as I can see. And Bill Sweeney's been suitably absent and unseen in media and, and kind of a, just... Yeah. It's a bizarre state of affairs. So let's just talk about what would have happened if the RFU councilmen who were effectively pushing for Sweeney to go, because that... Would, that's what would have to happen. Let me just paint the picture a bit, a, a bit more for you. So, in that letter, there's there was discussion about the finances. Simultaneously, Bill Sweeney wants to get the professional game Board, partnership uh, or agreement. Whatever it's called, I'm yeah. sure it's a professional game agreement. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is it. But I see. I've seen the initials as PG, P, PGP, partnership, professional game partnership. Maybe well, anyway. doesn't matter, right? Now that is on that must be the thing which is on the table because that is the thing which is unsustainable. We spoke about that a few weeks ago, which is it looks like clubs are going to get more money for less of what they do, um, and we're like, well, why would they do that? And the answer is because of the pressure from France, yada yada yada. Now, Bill Sweeney needs that in place, right? That is the thing that he needs in place, and I wouldn't be surprised if he would have stepped down if the RFU council said no, you cannot do that because it's going to blow an enormous hole in the finances. It's unsustainable. Now, if that was the case, right, if Bill Sweeney had... They're all about sustainability. They are. Well, if Bill Sweeney would have stepped down, right, and the RFU Council got their way, and they didn't put that agreement in, in place, English rugby would have ceased to be a, a professional sport as of Friday. Because without that agreement, they can't really say to the premiership clubs that they can that they can help fund the international players. It's a bit like where the Welsh regions were before they finally that's agreed exactly the funding. It. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So all these players are like, well, we don't have contracts now. Then they'll up sticks and leave. Uh, and then that affects the premiership. And I think rugby, at that very... This is how precarious it is. If that decision had gone through, you'd see the house of cards of rugby falling over almost instantly. Almost instantly. Now, in my mind, that is the best possible outcome. It's best... Just get it over now. Short-term pain, rip the plaster off. Yeah, that's you know that's what they should have done. And it would have been absolutely horrific. Your favourite um, your, your favorite teams would have been basically sunk... And more teams would have probably gone under. Obligations would not be able to fulfill, be fulfilled. Um, the England 
uh, cap rule and restriction would have to be lifted because you'd have no more England players. They'd all go to France. I mean, they're on the verge of going anyway. And what the PGP will do, or PGA, or whatever the hell it is, will it will make it so we just kick the can down the road a little bit. But by the time that that gets addressed, by the end of that agreement, rugby will be, um, you know, you, you won't be able to recover it. I mean, that is, by the time that is done, unless things change like, at incredible rates, there's an enormous stroke of luck. They are just kicking the can, and the situation they'll find themselves in two or three years' time when that agreement r- runs out. Are, are the losses which the RFU are sustaining, because a lot of companies operate with debt and they're quite, they're quite comfortable with that because they, they see a growth plan. And is that, like, how worried should we be at the... Terrified. Yeah. Terrified. Because... I mean, it's, it's making out that, okay, the TV money will always rise. Well, TV money won't rise. They're making out that you know, interest in the game is going to continue, and it might not, because if you're a hardcore rugby fan, there's a very good chance that one, one, another one of the premiership teams will go. So they're throwing money, throwing, throwing money at the premiership, hoping to God that somehow that product stays, and it might stay. But then you've got the other problem, which is France. And France is going to get more and more and more powerful, and you know, that death spin is already in motion. So they are going to have to throw more money, which they don't have, at the professional game. And the professional game has been bled dry by CBC. So I, I understand the... Uh, uh, the. Sorry, I'm trying to make my point. The mitigated, not try and slow down the death spin, but not slow down the death spin by chucking more money at it, would just be to simply say, we're going to lose a bunch of players to France, and that's okay. They can still play for England. Yep. That would have been a smart, a smarter move. I guess so, but then it would have affected the Premiership product. I get it. Yeah, I mean, just you got to think what happens to the Premiership. So there's so much pressure anyway. So I was talking to a rugby agent about a player. I won't tell you who the player is, but someone that I really respect as a player. But between me and him, we were like, yeah, he's definitely not a Premiership player. But, but, and I made the point: this is a Premiership player. The future of the Premiership player is lads like this, very committed, very good player, but not really quite there. That is what the Premiership will uh, will be, full of those lads. And when we come to Europe, they're going to get absolutely smashed. So the Premiership is going to be like a feeder league for France. Anyone who's any good will go to France. or And like Pro Didier. Pro Didier is full of you know, English. So all the more reason to just stop the... Because they're, they're inflating the money in the Premiership by trying to keep them in England, as you say, rather than let them go to France. Exactly. So just, exactly. just let that go. Yeah, but as soon as they go, what happens to the Premiership? Does the Premiership yeah. then... Get smaller and eventually fold. This, this is a catch twenty two, isn't it? it? Is, uh, there is no good way to look at this. This is what this is. Part PRL, part Bill Sweeney, part part council. To be fair, part council. And the problem is on that council, they have no one, from what I can tell, who is smart enough to realise this at early doors. You know, no one, no one was smart enough to see us at early doors, and it was so obvious. It was so obvious to anyone that spent any time looking at that CBC deal, how damaging it would be. The journalists too, I mean, one of the things about rugby is that it's so influenced by the media. And There's a lot of revisionist history going on right now, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I remember sending a voice note. It was 17 minutes long, and it detailed every nook and cranny of the CBC deal to a major national jur- journalist. I went, yeah, it's not really a story. It is a bloody story. It is a story, and they didn't understand it. And because they didn't understand it, they couldn't scrutinise it. Because they didn't scrutinise it, it means that it just went past, and no one really questioned it. And you remember, remember what the headlines were. This is great for rugby because finally, yep. big money, big money is interested. 
Well, it's all pot pot at the same point. So on Friday, that could have been, I think, the beginning of the end for... Um, no, we were at the beginning of the end. That could have been the end of... The thing is, no one... It, that may well be, and who knows, maybe even Bill Sweeney knows that that is the inevitable outcome at some point. He's engineering his way... He is engineering but, his way out. But right no now. one wants to be the person in charge when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, so he just kicks a can down the road. It's the same with CVC deal, isn't it? It's the same with politicians do the same thing. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's a five-year cycle, so I just want to... Power is what I'm focused on. The fact that it's... The fact that... Y- these people that I'm representing, their grandkids aren't going to have a pension ever when they when they re- <laughs> happens. And it's like well, that's, not, that's not my problem then. Sponsors. It's not my problem then. Yeah, I, you know that's a such a good point, Tim. Because I'm not going to go on about Bill Sweeney anymore because I've spoken about him in depth a lot of times. But every move he has made for the last year or so is exactly that. It is a gamble to make sure that when he, he is holding the ball, he said, "Well, look, we got to the semis of the World Cup. The, the one which I love is the women's game is thriving. The women's game is thriving." I mean, they just repeat that over and over again. No, 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 no. The women's game is bleeding stride. Um, well, the, but the, the the women's game is thriving on the metrics of participation. Like it's undeniable mm. that that the numbers of girls and women playing rugby has gone up massively in recent that years. That is undeniable, and that's a good thing. Which is fantastic. That doesn't mean it needs to cost two hundred twenty million pounds over ten years. You could, it you could, it could still be described as thriving without spending money that doesn't exist yeah and then there's the, there's the lies did you hear us hear me and phil talking about the the sponsorship deal for the alliance 15s well mm. alliance 15s cost two hundred thousand pounds to sponsor Alliance said yeah we'll we'll do that but in return do you mind if we get something to do with the men's game as well mm, okay we will do your men's deal as well it has to be a full or, or a few deal and now it's 1.2 million pounds and Alliance said yeah fine cool they get a box they get um exposure to the men, just like a normal uh, RFU deal, plus they do the women. Uh, that was announced as a 2.1 million deal for the women. A groundbreaking deal. But of course it wasn't, was it? It was 200,000 for the women and it was 1 million for the men. So then the women were like, well, where's our money? You, you, you promised us some money. You said we were worth 1.2 million. Um, and that's what you told the press. But that money's not here. And it's not there because it's in the men's game. Like So just the way that they tie themselves up in knots over this stuff, just not worth doing. If the women's game is truly the most investable asset that the world has ever seen, and to be honest, it might be more attractive as an investment now than the men's game because I don't think it has any link to CVC, um, someone would buy it. Someone would buy it. They should sell it. They should let the women stand on their own two feet and enjoy the fruits of their own labour because if it's that investable, what they're effectively saying is we as men should be supporting the women's game because eventually it's going to fund our game. Well, we know that's not true. We know it's not true. So let them have their own union and do whatever they want. Forge, forge their own way. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be part of a zero sum conversation. It should. Yeah, it should, yeah, should be again. Come back to that word. It should, let's let it be sustainable. And because at whatever level that is, that'd be fantastic. Why are the women having a Lions team? It makes no sense. Why would you look at the broken men's game and go, "This is what the women need"? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's not an anti-woman. Um, it's not a, an anti-women's game rant as some people will describe it it's actually what is best for women's game and nobody in their right mind can look at what's happening in the men's game yes we want that that is the model for our success no it's not build your own thing and you'll probably be more successful but don't rely out don't rely on handouts from one of the least successful sports and one of the least commercially aware sports that the world has ever seen don't don't do that this is one of the big frustrations i i have with rugby is that actually there's so little preventing blue sky thinking for want of a better phrase like 
there's nothing to stop anyone having a blank bit of paper and going right how could this look yeah and but the the inability to it's like a massive tanker takes forever to turn around but there's not even anyone trying to change course no and they're so committed and addicted to certain corporate money and certain corporate money comes with certain corporate values that they have to do things which are not in the best interest of the game and their mandate is to do what is best for the game not what is best for their core corporate partners not what is best for best best for Bill Sweeney mm-hmm. that's why we're, we're lumbered with all of this stuff I mean anyone with any seriousness would be embracing rugby for what it is and not this nonsense about values and well, they, family do, and, they do in France let me tell you they do in France I was, I was chatting with, with someone about this the other day so Outside the stadium in Marseille, there's a shopping centre. It's a little shopping area. And it had a big mural on, on the wall. And it, it had these cartoon rugby cartoon rugby players. And it just said, Lay Rugby Men. Yeah. It just said that. I was like, and I looked at it and went, that would never happen in the UK. That would yeah, never happen in the UK. And what's more is, and it's quite revealing, that Frenchman said this to me. He said, um, well... There is no such phrase in French as rugby player. The word for to describe a rugby player is rugby man. Oh wow! <laughs> I know. Now that's okay. not to say that's not to say. Like I say, I want as many girls and women to play it as possible. That's not my point. I'm not trying to make this a male versus women thing. My point being, and you know, actually, the French lan- language is incredibly. The whole language is gendered. Yeah. Oh, although there's, there's, there's moves to remove, to remove that. There's masculine and feminine yeah. just inherently within the French language and always has been. And maybe that's a part of it. They, it within the language, they kind of, and, and women play rugby in France and I hope as many as want to find it and enjoy it and get what they can out of it. That's fantastic. My point is they, they aren't shy to, to say things like, Rugby man. Rugby man is a thing. <laughs> There's a certain type of man who plays rugby and a certain type of man who doesn't play rugby. I and that's a, okay. I had a text exchange, but not a conversation with somebody on the RFU Youth Council. I don't know how young she was, but uh, she was like, she's playing senior rugby. And I think it's like under 21s or under. And she decided, she did that passive aggressive thing of saying like, your language is surprising. You make it sound like it's, it's not a game for everyone. It's like, well, it's not a game for everyone, is it? Like, you're never going to play men's rugby. I'm never going to play like women's rugby. It's not a game for everyone. Like it's just not. You, you play a game with the same laws should you want, but it's not the same game. To think it is the same game is absolutely ludicrous. So anyway, uh, so that was that was the RFU council meeting. They've kept Bill Sweeney on, which means that the professional game agreement will go ahead. And depending on which way you look at it, this could be the least worst outcome or the worst worst outcome. And the least worst outcome would be you kick the can on the road and something remarkable happens which we have not foreseen. I hope that's the case, but I don't. I don't think it will. Don't, don't, don't think. Don't think well, what's the be. time horizon on this? Do you, do you think then? Well, that's a good question. That's a great question because the time horizon would be dependent on many things. It'd be dependent on Premiership clubs sustaining themselves mm-hmm. because going from 11 to 10 is not a disaster but going from 10 to 9 is an utter disaster so they're going to need all those clubs the the next nearest club that could probably step into the premiership would have been well they don't exist anymore 
So that's that gone. Ealing, so, Doncaster. Doncaster. Doncaster just had a meeting, haven't they, with all of Yorkshire to see if they can yeah. get like some Yorkshire super region. Best of luck to them. Um, and then that depends if the Premiership brand is strong enough. Are people going to still watch it with only 10 teams? If the answer is yes, and they can still generate um, money from central revenue like, equivalent to what they used to have, then that might work. Maybe the, the grounds get fuller. That might work. But if one of those points of failure come to fruition, then this partnership won't work. It, the whole thing will fail. So how long will it last? I mean, I guess it lasts four years. And then when it has to be redone, that's going to be reliant on how much money does the RFU have? And you know, I don't see there being much of a yeah, much of a chance of they them, them being able to them being able to, to, to afford it at all, mm. at all. Um, I, I suspect they'll try and squeeze some more games out of the England team, dilute the brand a bit. I mean, there's certain things, certain levers that they can pull, but it's not promising. Hmm. So five, my five-year prediction looks naively long-term now. I'd say it's more like three years. I'd love to see where we are in like three years' time, what the league looks like, how many players are still there. Who knows? But we've sold a lot of the family silver to CVC in terms of Six Nations, and that is the thing which made well, everything Well, part, part of the new game deal is, I noticed, one of the conditions of the new game deal is that CVC don't take any money out for a period of time. Well, they, I don't think that's their decision, is it? No, but I'm, I'm assuming that CBC have maybe agreed to that. Absolutely not. That's think? absolutely not a thing that they'll do. They need their return every single year because their commitment is to their investors. It's not to rugby. And that's exactly how they should operate. Yeah. You know, if they weren't returning returns to their investors, they in themselves would be unethical. But if if the threat is you're not going to get anything out of it in three years' time if you don't do this, is that them doing the right thing for their shareholders potentially? Well, it's not the shareholders; it's the um, it's the it's the people who have um, uh, holdings within the yeah. Series Seven fund, which their is customers. Where, then, yeah, their customers, the pension funds, because it's serious business. You know, it's not. But not is, is that an, is that an argument that it might be legitimate? Because that, that was one of the things that was written down. I re- read it in the rugby paper today. It was like the certain conditions of the of the uh, the new agreement, and one of them is that CBC don't take any money out for a period of time. Well, well I don't know who the RFU think they are to declare that. I mean, they've already taken the stuff they want. And people seem to think that the CBC will come in and get some more. That wouldn't work for them. They're not in it to buy all of rugby. They couldn't, they they desperately don't want all of rugby. They want some of the profits from rugby and they want none of the expense. So if they owned it all, they'd get the expense and they don't want that. So, I mean, maybe there's some sort of lip service that we won't sell any more to CBC, but that's no, no use to anyone. Mm. Damage has been done. And the fact that, I mean, CBC won't buy any more of it in the same way that there's no one to buy Wasps and Worcester and London Irish. So you don't need to believe me on this. You can see the evidence that the CVC deal makes clubs completely untenable as a proposition to new owners. The evidence is there. You've got three of the great, the grandest clubs in England. Nobody wanted them. Well, do you, know, for a pound. do you know what the good thing about the internet is that there are copies of every newspaper um, issue, article, every rugby magazine, every podcast, every radio show, and... Honestly, this was the only place mm. where the warning shots were fired when that CVC deal was done. This was not not an exaggeration. This was the only place. Yeah, because you have to ask. I mean, flag this up. The, the the only question you have to ask is if no one's making money out of this anyway, how do you make money out of it? The idea was they were just cleverer than everyone else, and they well, they were actually. Were they? they were much cleverer 
than everyone else, the way they structured this this deal. Well, the CBC people that structured that deal were very clever. That's exactly what I mean. They're yeah. much, much cleverer than the people that they sold the deal to. Um, so it didn't make sense on its face because if you guys weren't making money and you know it's not a profitable proposition, why would CVC want it? Bingo. That's why. So anyway, that's old history now. And, and the the sad part of this again is we've got another thirty lads, uh, thirty mortgages, and the staff. Staff. Yeah, you've got probably another hundred people and all the well, hundred people whose lives are directly affected right now. Completely out of the blue as well. That was a weird part about it. Well, it that's com- why they think there's something more going on here. But if there is, we'll find out. Uh, but yeah, all those all those people directly affected, the fans affected, the championship and the, the, the lack of income for those championship clubs whose funding's already been slashed, too, fi- too fewer fixtures. Maybe they won't be so bothered about the away fixture, which is quite costly. But certainly, yeah. the, certainly the home fixture, they've just had that blown out of their budget. Um, and... That's 30 players that are going to have to find a club. So the, the dilution has happened again of the player pool, which <laughs> is going to drive everybody's wages down even more. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Mess. So, yeah, mess, not, mess, mess. Not good. So, uh, yeah, Bill Sweeney lives to fight another day. He will exit this job within the year, I think. Yeah, surely. He must do. Surely. He must do. Then whoever else picks it up, I mean, they've got one hell of a fight on their hands. And the best thing to do is trash it all and start again. Well, finish off Bill Sweeney's work, I guess. <laughs> Contact at chases at gmail.com. Tell us what you think, and we'll see you on the next one. Let the Hold your oh, horses, gone. Tim Cocker. Let's just tease the patron. We've got a patron coming up. Oh, yes. And we're going to be talking about um, Squid Rugby and a, a Twitter thread. And the reason this is important is because it brings up a lot of questions that broadcasters need to answer. Broadcasters need to answer, and... I would say rights holders need need to answer. And how do they deal with spreading the game in the future? Because I think it's a fascinating and in some ways very unfair um, description of squid rugby. But some things are very fair. And I think, uh, yeah, you, you'll enjoy it, Tim, because you have a lot to say, say, say about these things. So that's on the Patreon podcast this week. All right. Patreon.com forward slash egg chasers for extra content like that and to support the chat, uh, to support the pod. Appreciate, uh, appreciate it. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.